Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I have loved his cover of the Commodores' only Grammy-winning song. First time I heard this, what, about six months ago? I said, Chris, give it a listen. This is the one. Because we've been through a lot of, uh, a whole lot of opening theme songs in the last couple of years. They usually last about six months. Chris, I think it's time. I think we're going to be retiring Bruce very soon. I, I pitched Chris a whole bunch. I think he liked one of the ones I pitched. But I have to please this guy and jump through hoops all the time. That would be Chris Hauselt. Our wonderful executive producer running this show from the Confederacy. Thea Harper runs this show from Brooklyn. My name's John Fugelsang. I come to you from the I Love Manhattan. This is Tell Me Everything. The little show that could, but chose not to. There's a lot to process. There's a lot in the news. We have some really wonderful people to do it with tonight. Dr. Jason Anthony Nichols of the University of Maryland will be with us to talk about uh, Tommy Tuberville being racist and dumb. Of course, CNN and Eugene Carroll, the border. We're going to talk uh, with Corey Brechneider as well. As always, our most important guest is always all y'all. We are able to be reached at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. I'm excited because tomorrow we're going to have a really fun comedians panel, uh, but without any comedians. Josh Carter, who's a terrific New York comic, is going to join us. Victor Shi, who was the youngest Joe Biden delegate, and uh, of course, the great Jody Hamilton, who I've been trying to get back on this show for ages. Jody's been very busy. It's kind of embarrassing that Jody's mom, who's a very famous, legendary performer, has been on this show more than Jody. So we're trying to fix that and get her on tomorrow night. Uh, and as always, we are so thrilled to be with you. There's, there's, there's so much we got to get to tonight. I'm so glad you're with us. It's such a perfect day. I'm glad I spend it with you. You know, let's do a show. I, I, I came to this thinking, I, I want to talk about the border crossings. I mean, we're recording this a couple of hours before title 42 expires at 11:59 p.m eastern time on thursday night the border patrol shelters are already way beyond capacity cities around the country have had to allocate extra resources for migrant care tens of thousands of migrants and asylum seekers are estimated to still be waiting in northern mexico ready to cross again these are migrants and asylum seekers these are not illegal immigrants. These are not undocumented people. These are not illegals. They are there legally seeking asylum because that's the kind of country America once wanted to be. Already, New York City Mayor Eric Adams' less than welcoming stance on migrant busing has uh, just got him out of the role of national surrogate in the Biden campaign. I still will bet money he will speak at the Democratic convention next year. Also, I, I, I want to be talking 
about Daniel Penny, the Marine veteran who choked and murdered homeless man Jordan Dealey on the New York subway last week. He's going to be charged on Friday. The New York DA announced it. It's huge. It's going to be a, a very important, important case. And I think... Look, this guy deserves a fair trial. He deserves an open hearing. Um, he choked a guy to death on the train who posed no risk to him whatsoever. The guy who was murdered never attacked Mr. Penny. Mr. Penny went up behind him and choked him. And Manhattan prosecutors said today they will bring criminal charges against him for that chokehold. It's inspired so many debates about the response to mental illness in our city and the nation's largest transit system. But he will face a manslaughter charge. This story is not going away. Again, I want to talk about how Biden's EPA just pitched some cuts today that are huge and it got no coverage in the news. The administration announced a huge proposal to eliminate most climate pollution from our power plants by the year 2040. The staff here tells me that's 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 less than 20 years from now. I had no idea. This is going to set up a huge clash with Republicans. This is going to make the fossil fuel industry buy a lot of bad time. But the EPA rule would require plants that burn coal or natural gas to cut their greenhouse gas output by as much as 90 percent in the next 17 years or shut down. Also today, I want to talk about how the FDA ended their decades long ban on blood donations from gay and bisexual men. When I was a child, this policy began. It's been denounced as discriminatory for literally decades. It's finally ending. And and again, there's so much I want to talk about. Virginia judges just struck down the federal age requirement on handgun purchases. It, there's a lot of inspiring news and a lot of rank fuckery. But guys, I'm sorry. I have to begin tonight talking about Donald Trump eating CNN uh, digesting it and then defecating it back on to CNN in the space of an hour last night. This is a little segment called How Bad It Was, How Sweet It Is. Because here's my controversial take. I'm not going to say that that little town hall, and it wasn't a town hall, it was a Trump pep rally. I'm not going to say it had any journalistic value whatsoever. It had none. But it did have political value. It did have historical value. And look, I, I, I couldn't bear to watch it. I watched a few minutes last night. Like many of you, it was just a volcano of lies that triggered an earthquake of disinformation, which then triggered a tsunami of bullshit. What was your favorite part? The audience laughing while Trump mocked the woman who accused him of rape? <laughs> well, I mean, Caitlin Collins just getting cut off all the time. Donald Trump praising Ashley Babbitt, who is dead because of his lies. The only reason she's dead is that Trump couldn't tell the truth. And then he called the officer who shot Ashley Babbitt a thug because Donald Trump, like Megyn Kelly, will never call a white person that word. Only black men get that word. Did, did you like when Trump tried to both sides it between January 6th and BLM? It was like, whoa, I'm listening to the Breitbart channel on CNN. Uh, BLM again was overwhelmingly peaceful. 26 million people around the globe. Yeah, there was some violence, about a dozen or so. Out of 26 million people. <laughs> I mean, and again, Donald Trump would make these lies. And all the BLM protesters were doing was saying, hey, can cops stop shooting so many unarmed black people? And he's comparing that to terrorism. Of course, Donald Trump's lies went mostly unchallenged. Caitlin Collins tried a few times, ran all over. It seems like that was the deal. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the lies first. Get the lies out of the way, because, again, I'm not shocked by the lies. Are you? I mean, I'm shocked that CNN is so desperate they'll put this on the air. 
I'm shocked that CNN would do this to their reputation. He lied about his January 21 call with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, which he's going to be indicted for by Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis in Georgia when he was pressuring Raffensperger to overturn their election results. He said, I didn't ask Raffensperger to find anything. Trump later said, I said you owe me votes because the election was rigged. He lied and then he tried to change his story and they ate it up. He lied that the election was rigged against him. He lied about Nancy Pelosi being to blame for the failure of law enforcement to stop the terrorist attack on our Capitol. He said he denied that it took him three hours to finally tell the terrorists of January 6th to go home. If you look at his tweets, that's not true. Also, he, he lied that the economy was so great, even though he ballooned the deficit, he ballooned the debt. He lied and said he did finish the border wall. In reality, on the earth, we agree. The sky is blue here. Two plus two is four. Um, most of his wall construction was just replacing already existing barriers. Only a couple of dozen miles of new wall were built. Our southwest border is actually over 2,000. Again, I went to public school, but I think a couple of dozen falls a bit short of 2,000 miles. And here's Donald Trump last night on abortion access and the Dobbs decision. It, it, look, everybody that was president wanted to get rid and tried to get rid of Roe v. Wade you mean for 50 years. Republicans. For 50 years, this has been going on. Actually, a couple of Democrats, too. But for 50 years, this has what? been going no. on. I was able to do it, and I was very honored to do it. But by doing it, things are happening that are very, very positive. And you have to, I happen to believe in the exceptions, the life of the mother, rape, incest, like Ronald Reagan believed in the exceptions. But I happen to believe that. I think it, I think it's frankly important to do that. But a lot of people are, uh, you know, against that. A, small, a relatively small, relatively small number. Okay, then he went on uh, after taking credit for the pro-life movement, taking credit for all the women that have to carry dead fetuses in their bodies because doctors are terrified to terminate. He lied again three times that before Dobbs, babies were being born, wrapped in blankets, and then murdered by the mothers and the doctors. He told this lie three times. Caitlin Collins must have been busy all three times. CNN is defending it. They're saying the coverage was appropriate. He's a former president. He's leading the Republican nominee for president in 2024. Of course, he's also a twice impeached president who tried to steal an election he lost via many illegal schemes. He incited a violent terrorist attack, an insurrection at our Capitol building. He put his own vice president's life in jeopardy. He is a sexual offender. <laughs> January 6th led to the deaths of seven human beings, including two Capitol police officers who took our, their own lives. And he just lies about it. And CNN thought it was fine. Again, keep this in mind. This is how craven CNN's become. You expect it from Trump, right? Hate is going to hate. Donald Trump is suing CNN. He's suing CNN for defamation right now. And he has used his lawsuit against CNN in fundraising pitches to the drooling racists who send him money. And yet, network executives are trying to be more centrist, so they had him on. He's suing them, he's using his lawsuit to raise money, and they invited him on the air to crap on the floor. There's no legitimate reason to give this guy a national platform. There's no journalistic reason to give him a national platform. There's a desperate ratings reason to do it. And the only bias in TV news is ratings. They are chasing nickels. Profit-driven news is why we're so divided. Profit-driven news 
is often why we're so dumb. This was done the day after Trump was found guilty of sexually assaulting and defaming a woman. The network could have easily, easily killed this interview. They didn't care. They didn't care at all. They wanted the eyeballs and the clicks. And let's be honest, uh, Republican primary voters don't care either. There's this new study from PRRI that kind of blew my mind. Here's the deal, folks. We have Trump supporters in our families, at our jobs, in our communities. We can't hate them. But but you have to realize something. Uh, we have to beat them. We cannot reason with them. I want to share a few of the beliefs that those who say they strongly identify as Republican share. Now, again, people who say they strongly identify as Republican. Are you ready? <laughs> 84% have a favorable view of Trump. Only 32% of the rest of us. But 84% of strong Republicans like Trump. 71% continue to believe the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen. Only 28% of people in America believe this. There's Trump land and there's the United States. Nearly half of Trump land say they trust either Fox News or far right news like OAN or Newsmax to get them accurate news. Only 14% of people who live on Earth in the U.S. believe that. Now, most of these people don't blame Trump at all for the violence on January 6th. One third believe our current political and cultural context justifies political violence. Only 15 percent of those in the PRRI poll who said they're strongly Republican. Only 15 percent believe Donald Trump bears a lot of responsibility for the violent actions of his supporters who rioted and beat cops and took over the Capitol building. Fifty six percent of Americans think Trump bears a lot of responsibility. Only 15% of strong Republicans. 32% believe because things have gotten so far off track, true American patriots might have to resort to violence to save our country. And most of these people, they're beyond morality. They're beyond the Bible. They're beyond facts. 70% agree that society as a whole has become too soft and feminine. So they vote for an obese man who's afraid of ramps and uses sippy cups. Uh, 63% say these days society seems to punish men for acting like men. 34% of Americans uh, feel that way. Uh, 63% of hard Republicans. Most of them are Christian nationalists. Most of them affirm the deeply racist great replacement theory. 62% of strong Republicans believe God intended America to be a new promised land for European Christians. 30% of Americans believe that. 62% of strong Republicans do. 69% of strong Republicans believe that immigrants are invading our country and replacing our cultural and ethnic background. So this is all about the Republican Party's ethno-religious identity. Ignore the teachings of Jesus and play up their fears. Play up the tribalism. And as we as a people become more racially diverse and more spiritually diverse, those who identify as strong Republicans are becoming more and more homogenous. More than three quarters of strong Republicans identify as white and Christian. In America, only 42% of us identify as white and Christian. This white Christian identity is what they appeal to with the racism and the apocalyptic worldview and the bullshit about the rapture. It's all about preserving a white Christian America that doesn't exist anymore and never really did. That's what it's about. And Chris Licht comes out and says, you don't have to like the former president's answers, but you can't say we didn't get them. Caitlin pressed him again and again and made news. We made a lot of news, and that is our job. No, Chris Licht. It's not your job to make news. That's 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 the your job as journalists is to cover news. Your job as a channel 
is to get ratings. And you know what? They helped Donald Trump. They helped him boost his chances of winning the GOP presidential nomination eh? more than anything else that's happened. But here's here's the thing, friends. And this is the important part. I just rattled off all these stats that strong Republicans believe in. But according to this group in the PRI by poll nationwide, strong Republicans only consists of about 15 percent of all Americans. That's it. They get disproportionate coverage on the news, but it's only about 15% of the entire population. So, look, here, here's the deal. It was embarrassing, right? It, this was an audition by Trump to get the votes of people who already liked Trump. He sucked. It was like an old former rock star who had one hit phoning it all in at the state fair, and he was lazy. But again, get past the theatrics. He made real news. He did. He he actually made a lot of news. They asked him five times if he would sign a national abortion ban. He never said yes or no. He wouldn't do it. He said, I'm going to make a determination of what is great for the country. He wouldn't call Vladimir Putin a war criminal over the slaughter of Ukrainian civilians. This is Trump being very vague on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. This is deliberate. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying, Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. You need the power of the presidency to do it. But you but won't say that you want Ukraine to win. You, you know what I'll you say? In, I'll say this. I want Europe to put up more money because they're in for 20 billion. We're in for 170. But and they should, an be, and and they should equalize. Before. They have plenty of money. They should equalize. Okay, so so again, you know, that that's coming out and saying, uh, I'm not going to condemn Hitler for invading Poland. I just want Europe to straighten it out. Both sides. You know what? Too many Nazis have died. Too many Poles have died. Too many Czechoslovakians have died. The Sudetenland. This is just I want the I want the killing to stop. Silence takes the side of the oppressor. Okay, all of those right wing guys that attacked your patriotism because you didn't support Bush being an authoritarian imperialist invader 20 years ago. They're now pretending they're the doves. They're now pretending that they're the anti-war ones. They're not. They're exactly the same. They're defending the other authoritarian invading a smaller country that never attacked him. That's it. He put himself into the debt ceiling negotiations and said that Republicans should let the government default. Unless Democrats agree to massive budget cuts, <laughs> he downplayed the potential fallout from a default, saying it's just psychological. <laughs> he said he would pardon a large portion of his supporters who rioted at the Capitol on January 6th. He said a lot of stuff, folks, and that's the silver lining in all of it, because he fucked up. He created a year's worth of ads for Democrats running against him. They better hope that he becomes the nominee after last night, because the ads are already written. And you know who knows it? Republicans who've been around the block a couple times. Senator Todd Young of Indiana, he said, where do I begin? He said, we want to win. We know Trump is the shortest path to losing. That's a Republican from Indiana. Josh Hawley, <laughs> little Mr. Uh, insurrection cosplay. He was asked about Trump teasing pardons for January 6th. He said, if you're asking me, do I think you should pardon the people who engaged in rioting here? No. And Senator John Thune of South Dakota, number two Senate Republican, he said it looked like a lot of Democratic campaign ads being written last night. And that's the first thing John Thune's ever said that I agreed with. He looked very lifelike when he said it. He fucked up. He provided weeks worth of damning content in one hour. He called January 6th a beautiful day, 
Think about the footage of cops being beaten that they're going to put in ads along with that comment. He said he was very honored to be the one to terminate Roe v. Wade. Think about all the young people who are going to see ads of him bragging about that and are going to go vote in 2024. He refused to commit to accepting the results of the 2024 election. (laughs) He fucked up. He urged Republicans to allow the U.S. to default. That is so extreme. And this is when the Republican Party needs unity. And Donald Trump just threw a lit match into the gasoline. And, and, you know, again, CNN, it's Chris Licht did this not for journalism, not for the American people. He did it to try to save his job and get better ratings. Long term, blow up in his face. He may have killed Caitlin Collins' career last night. Trump is delighted how last night went. He thinks he did just great. And the diehard Trumpers think he did just great because that's who he was auditioning for. Guys, all he did last night was get the low wattage racists who already like him to feel more excited about supporting him and said a lot of demeaning shit to women. E. Jean Carroll, however, who won her verdict in the sexual abuse and defamation lawsuit this week, is already considering suing him again for defamation after his vile attacks on her last night. Trump admitted, admitted that he knowingly took government documents from the White House to Mar-a-Lago, which he's now being criminally investigated for. And he said he had no regrets about his now infamous phone call with Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, claiming he owed me votes. He copped to so much illegal shit last night. But again, I'd like to call the headline, Donald Trump exposes himself, but that might upset children and the elderly. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. And we are back. I'm John Fugel saying this is progress at 866-997-4748. We're so glad to have you with us. We'll be taking your calls all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. 
I'm so glad Professor Corey Brettschneider is here, and not just because he's smarter than me and a better breakdancer than me, but my God, we need his expertise right now. He is the man with the PhD in politics from Princeton and the law degree from Stanford. He uses them to fight crime and enrich the lives of students in the poli-sci department at Brown University. You must own his book, The Oath and the Office. A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents at your favorite bookstore. It should be taught as a civics guide in school and Congress. Also get Professor Corey's Penguin Liberty Series books on free speech, impeachment, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's notable cases. Professor Brett Schneider, I know you have thoughts about former news network CNN. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. I do have thoughts. Uh, but first, I have to say thank you for uh, celebrating my breakdancing ability that 10-year-old Corey from Queens would have been just uh, <laughs> over the moon to have that discussed on the, on the radio, a true dream come true. So thank I'm you I'm very that. glad. Thank you. I, I, I admired your work in Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. But but really, let's let's yeah. talk about this because I mean, you yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm of a mixed mind, Professor. Uh, I will agree with yeah. you that CNN was craven and just yeah. recklessly chasing dollar signs and I mean, if you listen to Keith Olbermann, you know how low his opinion of Chris Licht has been for many, many years. But yeah. boy, it, it really, really played out last night. At the same time, I just did a rant saying, I do believe good will come from it. There was nothing journalistically good, but historically mm -hmm. and politically, I, I think Donald Trump just wrote about two hours of ads worth of uh, copy for Democrats uh, in a one-hour yeah, town hall. We're going to talk about those issues that, that, that are fodder for or hopefully a, a democratic victory. I do want to say, you know, one of the things I thought that was just so awful about it was not just platforming him, that's part of it, but was platforming him with his audience behind him. And, you know, that, that couldn't have been a worse decision to put him out there. Um, you know, I'm sure that's what he negotiated for, but the fact that they caved on that is absurd. Yeah. But I guess on your point, you know, we learned something from not just him, but by watching uh, Craven is, is the right word, the sort of Craven audience cheering him as he, um, you know, lied over and over again, denied the election, all the things we're going to talk about. And that's that a certain portion of this population is really behind him no matter what. And, yeah. and that, to me, is the biggest threat, the biggest damage that he's done to the democracy is uh, not just his candidacy, but the the culture that he's really spreading. And, and that was on display uh, along with his lies yesterday. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I want to play a quick I want to play a couple clips of it and get your comments, uh, Professor Brett Schneider, because it was, you know, it was just like a reminder, like, oh, wow, he really is that awful. You know, I didn't miss this. And I think a lot of us are just used to seeing little quick Trump clips on the news of his speeches. Um, I have to sit there and listen to the whole thing. But, you, you know, I just felt incredible fatigue on behalf of everyone trying to watch this. Let me let me play you. This is a four, Chris. This is this is him on the E. Jean Carroll verdict. This is a man who was just found liable for sexual abuse. And here he is taking his victory lap in front of a lot of people who are really happy about it. Can I ask you, given your recounting, I don't your know who, and, and I tell you this. But Mr. President, are you ready? Can I, can I, and I can swear I ask on my children, which I never do. I have no idea who this one. This is a fake story, made up story. We had a horrible Clinton appointed judge. He was horrible. He allowed her to put everything in. He allowed us to put nothing in. Mr. President, this is a you're fake recounting your version story. of events. I mean, that there wow. you go. He just pontificated yeah. and Caitlin Collins 
didn't seem to understand that she was in control of the show. I, I think she was intimidated by the room. And I was saying this last night. Her job was to play to the cameras, to play to the folks at home. Instead, it just looked like yeah. Trump was owning her in a room. Yeah, and any idea that this was really about holding him accountable, uh, she she just failed in that. And, and, you know, saying a few times that's not true is not not journalism in any sense. And, and she was manipulated by him in exactly the way that he likes. And, of course, he turned on her later and, and had the crowd behind him. But, you know, uh, Eugene uh, Carroll might... Uh, Sue him for libel again. Uh, She's already won once. I don't see why she wouldn't uh, win again. And this is actually just such an easy case to win because his own defense, of course, is not that he didn't in court, as opposed to what he says in public, is not that he didn't know her, but that it was consensual. That's my understanding of what he said in the deposition. And yet here he is just, you know, extreme bullshitter that he is, indifference to truth, saying whatever he wants. Uh, you know, at this time. And so certainly I think another $5 million uh, is in order. And I hope we have the, I, 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 uh, the, the deposition. And so playing him saying that alongside his claim that it was consensual, I think just, point, I mean, points him out to be a liar. Now that crowd behind him, some people will say that the video is doctored or it's not true and, and they'll take his side no matter what. But uh, you know, hopefully that, that I don't believe that would be the majority of the American public. No, he, he actually made the Access Hollywood tape extremely current all over again. And we're going to be hearing yeah. a lot of it. He defended it um, in his deposition and he defended it last night. He defended geeing them by the P. And, and he also really seemed to just defend his or, or continue this nonstop what? election denialism. I was waiting for Caitlin yeah. Collins to say your Secretary of State told you you lost. Your uh, campaign manager told you you lost. Your daughter, your head of Homeland Security all told you you lost fair and square. It's like she couldn't bring herself to do it. She couldn't ask any question that would ever put him on the defensive. And it was just poor preparation. I mean, we knew what he would say. They knew what he would say. How are you not ready with a series of responses to exactly those claims? The most important the big lie, we call it. I mean, maybe we have to dust off some of this vocabulary. And, uh, you know, I think the saddest thing in all of this is that we went through the Trump administration and we saw in the first election uh, the way he was coddled by the media and not called out and the danger of that. And then finally, towards the end of the administration, they cut away when he was giving speeches and lying and go to commentary that talked about how what he was saying wasn't true. CNN did exactly what the networks did when they failed to cover this story in the right way in the first election. They just let him talk with a few interruptions uh, that looked weak and made him look strong to his supporters, at least. And, um, you know, that 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 isn't journalism. It's it's entertainment. It's yeah. uh, coddling somebody who's a danger to the country. And, you know, I heard you saying in your, you call it a rant, I'll call it a, a, a discussion, <laughs> the, um, how CNN, you know, is going after viewers. And they that's that they did get it. We're talking about it now, and, and they up their ratings. And, you know, but at what cost? And, and the cost is potentially democracy. And um, exactly. this new CEO has is, is really uh, got his priorities backwards. I watched, by the way, his uh, saw his defense today, which is that, 
we expose Trump for who he is and showed the country what we're facing. I didn't see them doing that at all. I saw I saw it might be the effect that we come to our senses, uh, but I didn't see them doing any of the calling out of him that they would have need to have done um, to to um, make this successful. And, you know, we saw how you do it. Axios, for instance, remember yep. early on in that interview yep. challenging him again and again. And we've seen journalists do it, but this was not an example of how you do it. Exactly right. I mean, Chris Matthews got a better take out of him on, abor- on abortion than anyone ever. But I, I, I want to play this quick clip of Anderson Cooper, uh, you know, who I like. He's done the show before, and I've, I've been on TV with him. This is Anderson Cooper. Uh, this is a part of his statement that he put out today where he began it, you know, telling everyone watching, it's OK if you're mad. It's OK if you never want to watch this channel again. And then he kind of started scolding his audience if they had that feeling after validating it first. I, 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 it's very rare you see Anderson Cooper raked over the coals on social media. But <laughs> we'll just play a little bit of, uh, of his statement that did not help the cause. Now, many of you think CNN shouldn't have given him any platform to speak, and I understand the anger about that, giving him the audience, the time, I get that. But this is what I also get. The man you were so disturbed to see and hear from last night, that man is the front runner for the Republican nomination for president. And according to polling, no other Republican is even close. That man you were so upset to hear from last night, he may be president of the United States in less than two years. And that audience that upset you, That's a sampling of about half the country. They are your family members, your neighbors, and they are voting. And many said they're voting for him. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him, thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is gonna stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is gonna make that person go away? You know, you know, I, I, why, why the binary choices, Professor? I mean, is it yeah, not exactly. possible that, is it not possible that you can uh, right. still turn into CNN and hear the conservative point of view right. without giving a platform to a serial, raping, right. lying, corrupt racist? Right. What an absurd uh, setup that we have two choices, either cover him and not challenge him or don't cover him. And, of course, those aren't the choices. The, the thing that people are saying in reaction to that horror show is, sure, cover that he's running, call out the lies, uh, either don't have him on at all, but if you're going to have him on, don't, don't leave him unchallenged. And, by the way, small detail, Anderson Cooper says, the people you are watching represent half, some something like half the country. Why did you have them on with him? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean, what an absurd thing to say, as if that's a natural way to set up a forum like this, to have only his supporters. I can't think of an instance where a candidate has been presented with an audience that are all on his uh, or her side. That's just not how... Uh, town meetings are supposed to work. They're supposed to work with challenges and real people who are asking real questions. This was a sham made to look like America, and it was uh, a bunch of sycophants, uh, MAGA sycophants, uh, you know, singing his praises. And uh, that that was a disservice right there. And that Anderson Cooper is apologizing for that 
Um, I, I, I don't know where he gets off thinking that's somehow the natural state of journalism. Yeah, and I also want to correct uh, Anderson Cooper on one point that he said that I think is, is, is very, very important to correct. Uh, it's not half the country supporting Trump. It's not right. half the country. It's a little bit less than half the people who showed up to vote in 2020. That was our largest year for turnout in history. But um, half of the people who showed up to vote is still only about 28% of the entire population. Not mm-hmm. the same as saying half. And, and that's what we keep no. forgetting and keep having to have in mind. Um, I want to take no. a couple of calls, Professor. But um, sure. before I do, let me just play one more quick clip. This is Trump. Okay. Um, uh, on the Second Amendment and on gun control, A6. There's been nobody that's protected the Second Amendment, as you know, like I have. I protected it through thick and thin, not easy to do. But we have a very big mental health problem in this country. And again, it's not the gun that pulls the trigger. It's the person that pulls the trigger. And we have to protect our Second Amendment. We have to protect our That was one of the low moments for me, Professor, like that kind of apology for guns and people caring after all these mass shootings, are our guns going to be safe? And CNN just kind of let it be extremely normal. It was just normalizing the shittiest parts of American humanity. Yep. And the NRA line that we've heard eight million times, the cliche, of course, the cliche spouter in chief had no problem uh, doing it, you know, (laughs) with with again and again uh, and unchallenged. And again, to come back to my audience point, listen to those applause in the background. You don't hear any boos, you hear lots of thunderous applause. The, the audience gets the sense that there is way more of the country behind him than actually there is. And, uh, you know, that he's, he's winning a crowd over when, of course, it's stacked with sycophants. Uh, so I think the the so much of the danger here isn't even what's said by him. It's the right. look, the setup, and the sound. And uh, that that's part of why we'll use that word again, Craven, <laughs> yeah, of seeking corporate profit over truth. Let me go to the phones. I want to, bring in a, I want to bring in Christopher, who's calling from California about last night and about the abortion topic. Hello, Christopher. You're on SiriusXM with Professor Corey Brettschneider. Hi. Hello. Uh, hi, John. Uh, long-time podcast w- uh, listener. Um uh, thank you for bringing up the uh, less than half percent. I was getting ready to say something about that. That it's about twenty five percent. It's not half the exactly half the, uh, the country. I get so sick of hearing he's half the country. He's not. But I. But I they always. But, but, but Democrats do this too. They always leave out the vast swaths of apathetic Americans, and apathetic Americans uh, never complain because they're apathetic. Go ahead. Exactly. Uh, I couldn't agree more. No, my, my thing I was going to bring up is I'm, I'm, I'm really shocked that people are surprised is Chris Lick was doing the bidding of their highest, their highest owner, John Malone, who loves Trump, who is a Trump backer, who wants yep. CNN to be Fox Light, yep. with a hostess who used to work for the Daily Caller, yep. who's carried Trump's water before. Yep. And people are surprised. <laughs> Yeah, people are surprised. And again, you know, here's the thing. Any venture capitalist can go ahead and take a big stake in CNN and push them to make it more conservative all they want. CNN's tried this. MSNBC has tried this. News Nation's trying it right now. When a lot of these channels begin, they go very far to the right. MSNBC started out very conservative. News Nation's doing something like that now. 
but it's not going to help their ratings. CNN trying to be Fox no. is not going to make anyone turn off Fox and start watching CNN. It's going to fail. And Chris Licht will take the fall for it, not the venture capitalist who pushed him in this direction. Yeah, I, I don't know. I hope so. Uh, I just don't know. I just don't I, don't. I don't know if this was really for ratings or not. I, I just kind of feel like this was a way to get him on, get him out there and try to redeem him. But they blew up uh, spectacularly in their faces. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm sure Chris Licht will continue to say what a great success it was. But I think the rest of us know better. Corey, what do you think? I, yeah, I think, you know, I, I guess I have to say two things. One is I don't th- I think you're right. I don't think it'll succeed in trying to steal away Fox's audience. They're just much better at this that CNN will ever be. And they're appealing to a kind of guttural emotion that CNN, you know, despite their attempt to lean to the right, the intellectual frame that's part of their, all their shows and and in their DNA, it's just not going to work. But also, you know, it's something more fundamental. You're a news organization. Fox is not a news organization. And so the more they try to pick off the right by getting rid of news and moving towards something like, uh, you know, some kind of crude entertainment politics as a game, uh, that's an abandonment of what the uh, station is supposed to be devoted to. And there's a fundamental issue of ethics, I think, here that that they've got to be called out for, too, of abandoning journalism. And we did see that. Then let me play. Let me play devil's advocate because because that throughout the show, you know, Trump kept praising himself for the national ban on abortion. Uh, tried to have it both ways and say I still support for rape or incest, but uh, of course, Caitlin Collins didn't play up that division. Um, I think you could argue that by letting Donald Trump go there and brag that he's the reason why women have lost this rights. That's going to play very badly come election time, and it's going to create lots of content for lots of Democratic ads. Can can you make the case, Professor, on the abortion level uh, that, you know, I mean, that it buries the state's rights rationale and it, it completely uh, will backfire on the Republican side? I think we, we have to just continue to bring that up. And you and I have talked about it a lot. But the idea in Dobbs' opinion is supposed to be that there is no national position on abortion and that the democratic process in the states has to take over. That's a lie. Dobbs itself, this court, wants a national ban. And I think in his non-answer to the question of whether he supports a national ban, he told us everything. And that's that, of course, he's going to push for a national ban if he's elected, because that's what his base wants. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's enough to, to hopefully get that message out this isn't a states' rights issue. This is about if you live in New York or California or Wisconsin, uh, he's coming for you and your basic right to choose. Hey, Christopher, I thank you so much for the call. Any last comments? we got to hit a break. I, just, I was just going to say real quick, I want to get to listen to you on the podcast most of the time, but um, about the abortion issue is I'm really disappointed that most people don't bring up the birth, the birth dearth aspect of the abortion issue about wanting to make sure white babies are kept and all that stuff. That whole that whole avenue that's never really brought up as much as it should be about that's the abortion right. thing, it, as long with the women's rights and You're trying right. to control women and the poverty and stuff. So When they're out there but, already pushing the great replacement theory, it's mm-hmm. not that hard for a real journalist to connect the dots a little bit and let them hang themselves. Christopher, thank you for that point. 
Corey, it's such a pleasure to have you on. We never just talk about one thing that was on TV. It's so nice having you here as media critic. Yeah. What, uh, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you, Professor, and keep up with your work? Uh, my pleasure uh, on the Twitter still, for now, at Brett Schneider C and CoreyBrettSchneider.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Corey. It's great to hear you. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls at 866-997-4748. Let's get to it. We're taking your calls at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Hello to Douglas in Chicago. How are you, hey, Douglas? Good evening. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling. That, yeah, that, that comedian, he was popular in the 60s. You just mentioned Mort Saul. Mort Saul. Yeah. Genius. I saw him once in Me the too. 90s. He was fun. Me too. Yeah, he's, he was he's, great. He's very old school. He'd come on stage with a newspaper, and he would just riff about the day's headlines using this newspaper as a prop. He'd refer to it, and he would just do it. And it seemed like he was making it all up. I've always believed he wrote his notes in the print, but he just a great, great political comic who, who became more conservative yeah, I mean, as he got like older. That. He got more conservative, but yeah. he was still really funny. Yeah. Guys like that, I mean, performers like that, I've got to think they sketch it all most of it out ahead of time. I mean, they still have the ability sure. to ad lib, but sure. you need the discipline to have it written out somewhere ahead of time. <laughs> You're right. You're right. right. He was a great so, guy. I want to talk about ad libbing, so to Please. speak. Okay. Ms. Caitlin Collins. Now, you obviously, you do live media every night, so you would know the answer to this. Could she have get? I, I'm not so much offended by the concept of it or having her give Trump an audience, but I did not appreciate how the crowd control of the audience or lack thereof. Yeah. She had just asked the audience or told the audience, okay, guys, you get, you get the laugh at one joke. You do it again. We cut the circuit breaker. We shut this down. We throw your asses all out and say that on live TV. You, 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 and that. how would, and what would have happened five minutes later? You think Donald Trump would have let her get away with that? I mean, you could tell how you could tell how viscerally unnerved she was by the energy of the audience. She was definitely intimidated. Donald Trump was trying to intimidate her and the audience definitely. My whole take on it was she didn't realize that the audience at home watching on TV was a lot bigger than the audience in the room. And Donald Trump was going to control that room no matter what. She could have taken more command of the cameras and the control room and managed it a bit better and brought up the fact that there's going to be a lot of fact-checking done. Instead, she just kind of sat there and dutifully said, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. And, you know, kind of X herself out of a lot of future employment with the liberal or the conservative side. Yeah. Don't even the pros role-play this stuff ahead of time? Sure. Yes. I have no That's idea why they why picked her to do it. <laughs> you know? I have no idea why they picked her to do it. And she's probably the I, reason why Trump agreed, because they weren't going to put Chris Wallace up there. Go ahead, Chris. She, well, because she's getting the 9 p.m. slot and this was like her, you know, yeah. debut. Yeah. And uh, I saw her on CNN tonight talking about it. She didn't look happy. Yeah. I mean, I've been waiting like 36 years for another Jan Rather moment. And I thought that yesterday might have been the one where she said, <laughs> you guys, 
you guys keep it down or I'm walking the fuck off the stage. I mean, I would have liked, there's a lot she could have done. She could have stood up at one point and, you know, just talked to the crowd and acknowledged what's going on in the room. She could have owned it with the people at home. She forgot. And you see people, you'll, by the way, you'll see celebrities who presented award shows who aren't used to being on stage do this all the time. They forget they're playing to a bigger audience at home and they're just playing off the energy in the room. You've got to think about the larger group of people watching you. And Caitlin Collin let those people see her yeah. getting walked You'll all miss over. anyone? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Thanks, man. I appreciate the point. Uh, you know, I... I, I all right, have we'll, a good night. Bye-bye. We'll see how this plays out for her professionally. I don't wish anything bad on her. 866-997-4748. Blake in Indiana. Thank you for your patience on hold. Hello. Hey, John. I was going to talk about uh, E Pluribus Unum. You know, okay. it's on our money. Yeah, I love and, it. And um, I also want to say that, you know, how is... How is uh, Ron DeSantis going to work against uh, the diversity and inclusion that is E Pluribus Unum, which means of many one? Yeah. How's he going to work against it? Counting on the fact that Americans don't care. That's how he's going to work against it. Well, I'm just saying that if somebody points that out to him, that that E Pluribus Unum stands for diversity and inclusion as the founding of the, you know, I love our, it. our founding fathers had, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he'll just claim that you're giving him a gotcha question and he's being victimized. They don't believe in e pluribusunum. They don't care. They, they reject it. It goes against their entire Christian nationalist ethos. They reject it the way they reject the stuff Jesus actually talked about. You know, it's like DE&I is so smart for business. It's making business better. And by going after it, he's actually not just going after private business. He's going after young people who work at these private businesses. Ron DeSantis has no idea how unpopular his ideas are in the modern corporate world. But he'll find out. You know, um, I don't live in Michigan, but apparently the state of Michigan's flag has E Pluribus Unum on it. Nice. Well, I love it. That's what America is to me. That's that's what America really is. But you've got a chunk of people who think that America is owned by white people. They believe that America is owned by Christian people. They're kind of Christian. They believe America is owned by straight people. And so they're not going to cotton to the fact that white people are going to be a minority in this country within the next 20 years. And they're freaking out. And it's driving so much of their anti-migrant, anti refugee status because they believe America is the white Christian male dominated America that they were born into. And it's not. And it never was. And it's going to be in their lifetimes that the jig is up. You, you know how yes, the Gatsby the Gatsby flag is owned by the Magamorons? Well, we the can, Gadsden flag. I mean, yeah. 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 So, you know, they use that all the time for, you know, their patriotism. <laughs> what do you want to call that? Patriotism, yes. But and their Anyways, their lack of um, historical knowledge, yes. Right, right. So we could, I mean, as a counterculture, we could bring up the the state of Michigan flag and start waving that. <laughs> I, we could. I just have a quick <laughs> fact check, John. Yeah. Um, it does have E Pluribus Unum on the Michigan state flag, but it, apparently it's in reference to the state's many anti-government militias. So, really? No. Are you joking? You're joking. I'm yeah. sorry. No, because I'm I'm telling you, Kid Rock could run on that for Senate and probably will. <laughs> Let's not forget, Kid Rock, my generation's Leonard Cohen, might still run for the Senate from Michigan. <laughs> because we don't get to have good Later. things in this life. Later, John. 
Later, man. Thank you very much. Look, I want Kid Rock to run, and you know why. I've told it why on the air. Because if Kid Rock does run, I will run against him after changing my name to Kid Paper. Think about it. Think about it. That's right. There is a Kid Scissors also. I will not run with him. Okay, we got to take a break. These puns are killing me. Uh, when we come back, more of your calls and Dr. Jason Nichols joins us as well to talk about other headlines of the day. This is Progress After Dark, and we're looking forward to hearing from you at 866-997-4748. Be right back. I'm John Fugelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748-866-997. Grit, we're celebrating the birthday of Salvador Dali and Mort Saul. <laughs> and Tim Blake Nelson, because he's done the show a few times. Right now, however, I'm celebrating because Dr. Jason Nichols is joining us once more. He is an award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland College Park. Dr. Jason's been featured in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, FoxNews.com, NBCNews.com. He goes and battles dragons and demons on Fox News, Newsmax, and our friends at News Nation, too. Jason, welcome back to SiriusXM. Good evening. Hey, good evening. Thanks for having me, John. It's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. Before we get into anything, how did your hit go this week on News Nation? I know you were talking to some Bible thumpers, and I'm curious how uh, how the whole experience worked out for you. Yeah, so that was on Newsmax. Um, so I've been oh, doing it. Max, I didn't realize. Yeah, so I've been doing a new show on Newsmax um, called The Right Squad. And so it's on the, the 9 o'clock hour, and it's like a... a panel show that they have so basically it's it's me you know it's one on four you know it's a five-person of course i've been there and uh, you know we we had the uh the debate we didn't get to debate the um the religion question they just kind of put it up there because it was this whole thing about you know claire mccaskill had uh, apparently said that she didn't think jesus would support people running around with, you know, assault weapons. And right. apparently Republicans <laughs> got really upset about that. And they were like, yes, Jesus would. <laughs> you know? So, oh, yeah. you know, Jesus was big on one thing Jesus talks about a lot is uh, is self-defense. He really, really big on not turning the other cheek and, and getting revenge as often as you can. It's what the whole religion's based on. Go on, sir. Oh, for sure. So, uh, you know, that that's pretty much what happened. Um, but you know, it was, it was a brief discussion. We had other discussions today was an interesting day. Um, I'm kind of kicking myself because I said, uh, you can see my mother-in-law in in the background. Uh, (laughs) I said, um, something that was incorrect and I'm, and I'm kicking myself about it, but I don't think anybody caught it. Uh, so I'd said we were talking about, you know, of course they're going crazy over the border. That's, the big yeah. thing that everybody is losing their minds about. So every segment we have to talk about the border and about the of expiration of Title 42. Now, I don't want to sound insensitive to those border communities because I know that they are really feeling it. This is a difficult time yeah. right now. Absolutely. Um, they deserve a lot of support. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, the the men and women in CBP, you know, are, are, I've been critical before of a lot of different agencies, but right now I know, in terms of just being overworked, I know that it's a it's a difficult time. However, having stated that, you know, with 
a lot of the theater that's going on on the right. And best believe they're cheering this. They're happy this is happening. This is not, you know, this is not them like being sad about this or being somber or supporting law enforcement. They are absolutely ecstatic that it's happening. And, you know, they've really won the narrative war. You know, you and I talk about this all, all the time is that they've won the narrative war that the world is falling apart that the economy has been bad for two years despite record unemployment and like record black unemployment and all Mm -hmm. these kinds of things they really have won the narrative war this is why you see these polls with uh joe biden losing in a head-to-head matchup with a guy who just got just was found liable for a sexual abuse case that's right Um, but with this whole thing with title 42 you know, I think that they're, you know, I'd said something to the effect of, you know, because they like to bring up fentanyl. And I brought up the fact that in 2020, I said there were 95,000 fentanyl overdoses, which isn't exactly correct. Okay. There were 95,000 overdoses, you know, just in general, but a large portion of them were fentanyl. Um, and so I only made that point to say we had that in 2020 and it really hasn't changed a ton, you know, and it didn't change much in 2021 or 2022. They were similar numbers, you know, I mean, it still went up a little bit, but not not dramatically, we were, you know, low hundred thousands. Right. Um, and we have an opioid crisis. You know what caused the opioid crisis? It was big pharma Correct. from the very beginning. And when we talk about big pharma, I, I don't ever get this much time to talk. So I never get. <laughs> I know, right? Welcome, welcome away but, from Newsmax. Know. I know. And by the way, I just want to point out: you know how much that Newsmax audience really cares about getting facts straight, Jason. So good for you <laughs> right. for caring. Right. And you know, the thing with big pharma that no one likes to mention is their main spokesperson was your former mayor. Uh, that would be Rudolph Giuliani. You know, was the guy for Purdue Pharma telling everybody take Oxycontin. It's the best. It's a it's a miracle drug. You know what I mean? And literally leading to all of these deaths 20 years later. But, you know, they'll blame it on Joe Biden. Uh, They'll blame it on whomever, Kamala Harris or whomever, uh, rather than looking at what caused an opioid crisis in this country and some of the things and, and I've been I've blamed every administration. I'm clear that yeah. Biden has failed, Trump has failed, Obama failed, W failed, and Clinton failed all on this on on it. But it's not even necessarily them. It's all of those Congress, you know, all those iterations of Congress that have not passed any kind of immigration reform. You know, right. we we love to put the president at the time in the crosshairs and say that they haven't done anything on immigration. And even some of my friends who are activists, I understand where they're coming from being disappointed with some of Biden's changes. Like you have to apply for uh, asylum before you get to the United States. And you have to apply in in the first country you pass through before you get to the United States. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I know a lot of people, you know, Joe Biden said that that because that's a Trump policy and Joe Biden criticized that during his campaign. Indeed, he did. And then he adopted it. And I know some of my friends 
who are hardcore on immigration have already, you know, come out and said, you know, here Joe Biden lied. Joe, but I, the other thing I would remind them is Joe Biden has always been kind of moderate on immigration. He, yeah. you, we forget Obama and Biden deported more people than any other previous Correct. president. Correct. So, like, it frustrates me when people pretend somebody is not who they their record shows them to be, you know? Okay, I'm with you on everything you're saying. And again, I think every president has been successful at one thing, kicking the can down the road to the next guy. Right. Like the last, I would argue, I would say the last president to actually do anything of substance on immigration was Ronald Reagan. And you know what he did? Yeah, Something no absolutely. Republican will ever admit. He gave amnesty to three million undocumented souls living here because Ronald Reagan said if they've been here for a while and they're working and they built families, they deserve to be citizens. And now he would be driven out of the party for doing it. But but let me let me not to defend Democrats on this, but let me just say, in a way, is there a parallel to be drawn between what Biden's doing now and Biden's very messy, very unpleasant pullout of Afghanistan, which is to say no one wanted to be the one to pull out of Afghanistan. Everyone knew it would be a messy bloodbath if we did it. Biden's the guy who actually did it. And Biden, I don't think anyone in the White House wants to end Title 42. I think they'd be very happy not having these asylum seekers cross our border and not go through all these images on TV every night. But Biden is not kicking the can down the road. And, and you know, he, he's tried to distance himself from Trump's harsh immigration policies and rhetoric. But at the end of the day, this is this is the harsh side of our immigration policy. Um, and again, these are not undocumented people. They're not illegal immigrants. These are all legal asylum seekers we're talking about. I'm guessing the folks at Newsmax weren't really dwelling on that point too much, doctor. No, I, and I think, you know, with, with Title 42, there is no legitimate public health concern to base Title 42 on anymore. So there's no way for Title 42 to survive. That's right. I think the, the, the criticism that many people are giving Biden is that you knew Title 42 was going to end. You know, where was your plan? And I think that's a legitimate criticism. Like, totally. Uh, the fact that, you know, it still feels like they didn't you know plan for this. I think there are a lot of things on the border that Biden or on immigration that Biden has done that's been really good. Number one, getting $1.5 billion in investment on border security from Mexico. Mm -hmm. Remember, we heard Mexico is going to pay for it. <laughs> and Mexico never paid for it. Right. But Joe Biden got an investment from Mexico. That was, I mean, to me, that's huge. But we have to also acknowledge um just like the messy, you know, you talked about the messy uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. That's an unforced error. That was yeah. those were unforced errors. Like, yeah, I am. You know, I have been impressed, as you know, with a lot of what Biden has done. Same. I think Biden has been a decent president, but a terrible communicator. And he's a bad communicator. Kamala Harris is arguably worse. Um, and they're just not that's not their strong point. And they haven't done what Trump did so well, which was build an infrastructure of people to be your mouthpieces. That's now, right. Trump, of course, spoke for himself because Trump is an entertainer. And we saw that, you know, on display 
with CNN, you know, John Malone, CNN, you know, mm -hmm. the, the right want to be Fox CNN that exists now. Um, so Trump can do that, but he also really coordinated really well. Like John, if you were in the Trump orbit, you would have talked to the president. You would have talked to the, to the, uh, chief of staff. You would have been looped in on on, uh, on strategizing calls sure, because sure. they would want you to go on the radio and spread the message. Now, I'm not saying that's a necessarily a good thing that the media be in the tank for anybody. But if if you want to win, you know, and you want to win the narrative war, you've got to have some friends in the media. And this right. administration doesn't have it. Like even MSNBC, what they focus on is all the things that Trump did. They, yeah. I never hear them saying, you know, Joe Biden won another one. Joe Biden did great. Boring you know? doesn't get ratings. Boring True. doesn't get ratings. Garbage fire in an orphanage with cats and dogs screaming and blood falling from the sky. That gets ratings. And, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, there's no way it's not going to be ugly. Title 42 expires roughly about 90 minutes from when Jason and I are, are, are broadcasting live right now. But border crossings have already gone above 10,000 a day. The shelters are packed. I want to play you, doctor, a little clip. This is Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, on the ways the Biden administration has been preparing and has been leading the way for improved paths of legal immigration. President Biden has led the largest expansion of lawful pathways in decades. People from Cuba, Haiti, Venezuela, Venezuela and Nicaragua have arrived through lawfully available pathways and we reduce border encounters from these groups by 90 percent between December of last year and March of this year. We are launching new and expanded family reunification parole processes for nationals of Colombia, Cuba, El Salvador, Guatemala, Haiti, and Honduras, and are increasing use of the CBP-1 mobile app for individuals to schedule appointments at our ports of entry. So that can all be well and true, but... Um by tomorrow morning, there's going to be a lot of visuals that are going to be on the TV and no one's going to remember any of those talking points. Like in many ways, I think the smartest thing Biden's doing is having this happen now, two years before the election, having it happen now. So this will be a distant memory by the time Election Day 2024 rolls around. So it'll be a distant memory for uh, many of us throughout the country. But it won't be a distant memory for some of those usually blue stronghold congressional races near the border. You're right. And it could make a difference in some of these races, including the Senate race in places like Arizona. Um, so that's my concern mm. is you already see Kirsten Cinema has come out against this administration saying that they didn't plan for it. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do think that there was some plan for it, but Again, they should have been communicating, I think, long beforehand. Title 42 is going to end. We're prepared. We're getting prepared. This is what the plan is. But instead, it looks like they're scrambling, calling would, in the military, doing all, you know. You. But, but and, what do you think? What do you, what do you think the Trump White House would have done? Let's say he had gotten a second term and this was supposed to expire and he'd already declared an end to a COVID public health emergency. You think Trump would just keep it going, even though there was no public health emergency anymore? I'm pretty sure if Trump just did it, 
not a lot of Democrats would have complained. It would have been the height of hypocrisy and injustice. But I, 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 I don't know any other way around it. Other, you, you either take the hit or you be a flaming hypocrite on this. Well, here's what I think Trump would have done. Trump's answer for a lot of things was to call in the military. So he would have called the military, except he would have had them armed and actually uh, dealing with, with, with immigrants, uh, with the migrants. Because, of course, the Biden administration has about, what is it, 2,500 2, uh, members of, mili- of the military, National Guardsmen or whatever. And they're just doing logistical work. They're not right. encountering migrants. They're not touching anybody. They're not coming in, in contact with them. They're doing data entry and stuff like that. Now, I think Trump would have said, there's an invasion on our southern border. We have to end Title 42 uh, because the courts won't let us keep doing it. And remember, right. the guy who wrote Title 42, the guy who was basically the immigration czar, um, it was Stephen Miller, who's a, That's right. basically an avowed white nationalist, um, even more so than Tommy Tuberville. So you got Steve, you know, Stephen Miller. But, uh, but isn't that why America's great? Jason, that only in this country can a young Jewish boy grow up to be a full Nazi. That's the promise of America. I'm sorry. I mean, hey, they're converting Jewish kids. They're invert, they're converting Latinos. And right. you're getting a whole lot of That's we're, right. we're learning, you know, what, what white nationalism is, which is a political ideology um, and a social system. But. You know, people like to think it's just the the most extreme elements and people who wear Nazi. I know. Although Harlan Crow, we have to remember the big donor. He's he gets all the memorabilia from the Nazis. Oh yeah, um, he's, he certainly does. And and you know, let, let me let me let me ask you by the way, with all what's going on, like this is going to make us completely forget. A very eventful news week. I mean, this was the week of Donald Trump getting the conviction with Eugene Carroll in that case. This is the week of, of that appalling uh, special last night on CNN. And this is the week that Tommy Tuberville may have taken the title of dumbest member of the Senate away from Ron Johnson. I, I, I got to ask what you think. I mean, Tommy Tuberville's decided that uh, calling white nationalists white nationalists is insulting to racists and they should be allowed to serve in the armed forces. That's essentially yeah, what he's I mean, on set this week. So first of all, I just want to say this about extremism in the military. I think it's important for us to remember that if you want to ignore extremism in the military, the Ku Klux Klan, for example, was founded by Confederate veterans, military mm-hmm. veterans. You know, Lee Harvey Oswald, I, I know uh, some presidential candidates believe the CIA you know, killed killed Kennedy. Maybe they, I don't. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other. I can't it was say a cabal of many many different people killed JFK, not just the CIA. Whatever. Yeah. Go ahead. But uh, you know, either way, we know who who the the trigger man was, and guess what? He was a Marine Corps veteran. Um, if you look at the man who blew up. The Oklahoma City, you know, that building in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. was, you know, a uh, army veteran with ranger training. That's right. This idea that, oh, we don't need to identify extremists in the military can be really dangerous and deadly. You, you know, we've seen it throughout history. And of course, January 6th, when all those cops got beaten up, 
a lot of the people in there were veterans and active duty military, including some of the ones who conspired to literally overthrow the government. That's right. You know, That's those right. guys, Stuart Rhodes is, I'm pretty sure he's a military veteran. Um, so I have to check on that. I'm not 100 but, but, percent. But again, we just saw that this week in New York with another military veteran who was taught by our tax dollars how to kill, who decided to kill a guy on a subway because he knew he could. Um, it's pretty exciting to see that that man, Mr. Penny, is going to be uh, indicted for manslaughter this week. Um, but but uh, to bring it back to Senator Tuberville, it wasn't just the, the white supremacy. Then he his whole response to the Eugene Carroll verdict was it made him want to vote for Trump twice. And Jason, you know this, there's a lot of guys who feel exactly that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Hey, when I come up there to New York, like I said, I want to have dinner with you and then we'll bring Ellie Mistel and we'll bring oh, yeah. EG. Let's just do okay. a big dinner. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> I'll tell you, like, Eugene Carroll, number one, impressed me so much. And... I'll just say Donald Trump, like it, it just mystified me because people are out there thinking this guy is smart after having watched that deposition. That's right. Like he had to be one of America's dumbest criminals. Some of the stuff he said in that deposition, I was like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Some of my friends hit me up who were lawyers and they were like, and they're, they're like kind of apolitical. They're agnostic on Trump, but they're, you know, they're like, I can't believe how how dumb this guy is. Like, it would be so frustrating to be this guy's lawyer, you yeah. know? So I, I have to say that. And Tommy Tuberville is indicative. Uh, you know, he, he's a problem, but he's also a real symptom of a problem. That right. we've gotten to a point where we are a country that is stuck in a, that has 50% of the country stuck in a personality cult. Yes. Um, where we have seen a charismatic leader and all of a sudden we're behind him. And trust me, I'm, I'm a big, like I'm a nerd when it comes to studying dictators and mobsters, those for some reason, since I was a kid, I, I love, you know, you know, looking at, uh, you know, whether it's African dictators, whether it's, you know, Mobutu or Mugabe or, uh, Idi Amin or, of course, Leopold or Hitler, all that, like just kind of just doing the research and seeing how they all become these populist leaders, you know, That's right. and the, the, the masses get behind them or Mussolini, the masses get behind them. And we're, we are a country that never thought, we thought because of our system, we would never fall victim to that. And here we are. Yeah. We're 50% of the country where at that, we watched that thing where not only did Tommy, Tommy Tuberville comment that, but here Donald Trump goes and calls a woman nasty to, you know, on stage. The crowd applauds. He talks about E. Jean Carroll, a woman who he sexual or he allegedly sexually assaulted. Who a jury and, of his peers determined he sexually uh, abused. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Um you know, we, I'm always scared of libel, and Donald Trump has more lawyers than I do, so you know, I'm, just, I'm always a little concerned. Um, but, but, you, but you know what? On that, on that point, can I, let, let me play a clip of Trump from last night, Jason, because here he is talking about the debt default. My whole thing is, as awful as last night was, 
he went on the record about a lot of things that he can't take back. And here he is talking about the debt default, more or less saying, hey, let's crash the entire world economy because it's fun for me. A7. Now, I say to the Republicans out there, congressmen, senators, if they don't give you massive cuts, you're going to have to do a default. And I don't believe they're going to do a default because I think the Democrats will absolutely cave because you don't want to have that happen. But it's better than what we're doing right now because we're spending money like drunken sailors. So just to be clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not agree to the spending cuts, Republicans well, are demanding. you might as well do it now because you'll do it later. Because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people. By very stupid people. Okay, the ads are already written. And the amount of Republican senators who were shaking their heads over this today shows that as troubling as this was for sane and decent people last night, long term, this is bad for Trump and good for his opposition. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's just to say that, you know, we should default. I mean, understanding that they're saying that we could lose eight million jobs. You know, the, the guy who was talking about jobs, 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 and he cares about America. And again, giving this really dark vision of America, when I go outside of my house, I really don't feel that. Even with the MAGA stuff, Mm -hmm. like, you know, some of my neighbors are are Republicans and all that. And we, you know, we cut each other's grass when we can. And, you know, like average people do not have this dark view of of America unless they're on Twitter all the time or they're on. That's right. That's so true. Or they're on, you know, they're watching cable news. They think. And this is one of the things I called out. I was recently on Fox. And, you know, I usually don't do Fox, uh, but one of the producers that I know called me and asked me to do it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it for you. So I did this. Fox is fine. I've done it many times. Go ahead. Yeah. And and the, the, um, I mean, Fox is no, you know, no more right wing than Newsmax, but like, you know, uh, Newsmax pays me. (laughs) But anyway, um, (laughs) Fox. Like when I'm on there with with uh, I was on there with Lawrence Jones and it was just all this like fear mongering. You're going to die on the on the subway. I'm like, not unless you're homeless, but either way, you're going to die everywhere you go. You're going to get killed. There's people carjacking, there's people shooting and looting it. And I'm like, yo, why are we doing so much fear mongering? And there's people, you know, I basically called out the fear mongering. And all I got all these calls and emails basically saying, oh, no, the world is ending. It's Biden. We're dying out here. Everybody's getting killed. Everybody's getting shot. Everybody's getting robbed. Everybody's getting mugged. And I'm like, this is this yeah, if you is watch like, Newsmax. That's how the world is. Right. Like, that's not that is not reality. You and I remember the 1980s in New York. It's not even close to that. You know what I mean? Not, no, but this is how you this is how you keep this is how you keep, you know, low wattage white people scared. And that's how you keep them voting against their own self-interest. But you did pretty well last week, Jason, on Fox, because um, Media Matters ran a clip of you totally, you know, correcting him on everything. And we played a clip of it on, on the air here. You did. You did great. It was actually great to see. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, somebody had to do it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually glad that I did go on um, because, I mean, it was just 
there's just so much fear mongering in our society and it will get bad. We're, unemployment is already going to go up because of what the Fed is doing and they want it to go up. And I, and I understand yeah. Yeah. if we're around 5%, that's really not a bad thing. Right now, we've had incredibly low unemployment, and this may be the most unpopular president, and yet he's achieved the lowest unemployment. <laughs> like it's, it boggles the mind. That's right. Wage growth, you know, as I've said, wage growth is outpacing inflation now, like by a decent right. margin, and yet this guy is gonna is is angry. Everyone's angry at him, and then you ask him why, and it's because he's old. And I'm like, that's it. I'm not getting yeah. it, you know, and, and I he's going like to have to... he's going to have a long list of achievements a year from now when he runs for reelection. He's going to have a long list of achievements to vote to point to. And and he's going to be up against horrible people who are drooling. I mean, if he's if it's Trump, if it really is Trump, you know, look, it'll be scary, but it might also be the easiest election of, of Biden's entire career. But I think tomorrow is going to be really um kind of a horror show uh it already is we have to remember that already thousands and thousands are crossing the border uh every day um with this expiring the republicans had a vote today on it which is not going to lead to anything um they removed about 200 men and women in a matter of hours but about 11,000 people crossed the border on tuesday 450 an hour before we have to say goodbye dr nichols i do want to ask you what is your advice to our listeners about the talking points we should remember because i have to keep stressing over and over again these are not undocumented people. They're not illegals. We have had a long policy of being a beacon of freedom for people from other nations to flee oppression. And all of these people are Christian refugees at our southern border, legally seeking asylum. Um, do you have any tips for our listeners who will no doubt be driven insane by the race baiting talk of hordes invading us over the next few days? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of these people are you know, mothers with children. And I've never been, I've never heard of an invasion with three-year-olds where people brought their toddlers and their children for an invasion. Um, that's not my idea of an invasion. I, you know, I, I do think that um, in terms of political asylum, poverty is not one of the, the um, characteristics that you can claim to get political asylum. Um, and our Correct. political asylum system has always been skewed towards certain people. You know, it's it's skewed towards. Yes. Um, true. You know, we were kicking Haitians out, but letting Cubans in. And it was, you know, it made Correct. no sense because from a political standpoint, Cuba was much more stable than Haiti, you know. But again, some of that was race. But, uh, you yeah. know, a lot of it was it was race. Um, and of a lot, course, a lot of it was race. It was race. Plus, look at me making uh, communists angry by letting them in. It was all politics right. all the way. Right. Yeah. So it was it was all politics and race. And I think um, with this situation, uh, we have to understand, we have to remember that we are an empathetic society. And all the times that we love to talk about how we're a nation of immigrants, we need to recognize that immigrants often do make us a stronger society. I think making those That's legal right. pathways is a big important part. This, you know, this mobile app um, that they're they're experimenting with. Um, you're going to hear a lot of people talk about catch and release. Um, there, right. the Biden administration has come up with a new um, program that they call Firm, 
It's a family expedited a removal management. And mm-hmm. so they are letting people out, but the head of the household, if that's a man or a woman, um, is going to have to wear an ankle monitor and they get a curfew. So it's not what, and that is an alternative to detention, just like it's an alternative to detention in our, in our society. So it's not like Republicans are going to make you think that these immigrants are just running wild in the streets. We don't vet them at all. Uh, the people who are being released are going to be are the ones who are most heavily vetted. Um, That's right. And there are ways that we're monitoring them and making sure that they come back for their court dates. Um, That's right. All of them. Again, we're, we're not as a society. We are not. um you know, we're, we're, there are going to be some horrible images, as you said. It's going, there are going to be some bad images. But again, none of this compares. Even with my friends who are activists who are like regretting their Biden vote, I'm, I would tell them, "Look, it's insane. You don't. Do you not remember child separation? Do you not remember them literally taking babies out of mothers' arms and sending them?" hundreds of miles away and the months and months and months that the next administration had to come in and just try to find the parents of a child. You know what that's like? That's like what my ancestors went through. Yeah. That's like slavery. That's like what happened to the Indians in residential schools, taken away from their family and sent away to foster houses and schools to be turned white. Jason, I could talk to you about this all day. Our time is up. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep track of all your doings? So if you are on blue sky, because I'm trying to get away from Elon's, you know, Elon's, uh, you know, Tesla app or whatever that is. Right. Um, trying to get away from that. Uh, I am still on there. I will post on there from time to time. But um, and that's Dr. Jason Nichols. But if you're on blue sky, which uh, I think is still in the beta phase. It is. Uh, definitely check me out on, on blue sky. Check me out on I don't check it as often as I should, but Mastodon. Um, right on. And I'm, I'm, I think many of us need to start getting away from that app. Um, it's <laughs> from which now one? From Mastodon? Getting, no, getting getting away from Twitter, basically. Oh yeah. You know? Well, there there's there's always Tribal and Mastodon and Post and Spoutable and LinkedIn and Friendster and MySpace and Facebook and Counter Social. So yeah, we'll we'll find a soft landing. Dr. Jason Nichols, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it's a great honor. Uh, we will see you again next week. We gotta go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. I'm John Fugel saying keep it tuned to SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Mm-hmm.